Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Wildcast and the first edition of 2023. So before I welcome Tom, because spoiler alert, he's here as always, um, I'm going to say I hope everyone had a brilliant Christmas and a very happy new year because this is the first time we've spoken to you since since last year. So Tom, how are you? I know I've spoken to you since last year, so I'm not... Yes, yeah, I was going to say. I've already done that kind of small talk with yourself, but just for the listeners. Yes, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. 2023. Let's hope it's a good year for us all. Yeah. Got off to a iffy start, but we'll... Mixed we'll... mix start from a Wildcats perspective for sure, but yeah. We'll, we'll come We'll come to that, to that shortly. But yeah, no, this is the first episode we've done of the year, so... As we discussed in the last episode when Joe was around, um, the festive season in the world of British ice hockey, no matter what division you're in, is, how do I word it, um, chaotic. And there are games literally every day. It kind yeah. of feels like your, your off days are the rare days, to be honest, uh, yeah. be it whether it's Elite League or National League or, or South One, North One, whichever, wherever you are, there's, there's hockey on. So we're not really going to delve game by game because we'd probably be here till 2024 um let's kind of go on a roundup let's 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 talk with the wildcats over the last two or three weeks tom tom where, where's your head up i think it's kind of the, the it's almost like the festive season and the last game if we kind of include the raiders as part of the festive season we can talk about that one a bit more in depth maybe separately but I, feel, I kind of feel like the whole festive season was kind of a perfect, small example of the full Wildcat season so far, if that makes sense. I think there were some real, real good points and then some kind of slightly, you know, some disappointments in there as well. And it just kind of did feel a bit like the perfect sort of, yeah, little little version of the mini version of the full season. Um, I don't know how we want to do this. Um, maybe weekend by weekend, but yeah, I mean, I was going to say we. I mean, the last episode we did went out uh, went out Christmas Eve, so let's look at it and let's talk Swindon, Basingstoke as a whole for kind of five minutes, and then talk yeah. Swindon, Bristol, and then go into last last Saturday. So I feel like I mean that was a real you know game of two completely different games as as the results show. I mean, the Saturday in Basingstoke it wasn't the best game of hockey. It was fairly scrappy. Um, it was a very typical Boxing Day game, you'd argue, you know, it just didn't quite have that rhythm. Everyone was still kind of waking up again from their, you know, Christmas days. It felt um, on and off the ice. And I feel for maybe half an hour or so, it was quite a tightly contested game. You know, the, both teams had their chances. Swindon had, had the lead in that one. And then the Bison kind of made, they scored a couple of quick goals at the end of the, um, towards the end of that period that second period of period and they kind of pulled away from that and yeah it's a I mean it's a tough rink to go to I mean there's 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 various rinks in this league which are tough to go to as an away team and Basingstoke is a tough to go to because of the nature of the of a physical rink obviously we know it's not in a good way and we can kind of talk about that sort of you know again we could talk about the state of Basingstoke guys for a long time but it is definitely not not the kind of crown jewel of British hockey anymore. I was going to say there are there are rinks where I don't like going to because of the atmosphere, and I don't want to take away from what Basis don't do because they do create a really good atmosphere in that rink. But the reason I don't want to go there is is, is definitely physical, yeah. Uh, and I don't play on it. Um, it is, and I don't think it's a secret to say the worst rink physically in the in the league. Yeah. I could possibly argue the country, but there's probably others I've not seen. <laughs> um, it is a unique place to play hockey. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it's bad when you go into a rink and there's no lines on the ice. Mm-hmm. No, just to just to clarify to all of you listeners, like not even faint lines. No, there's no lines. There, there's none there. There's no lines, and as was pointed out at, on the night. Even the even the markings in certain parts of the ice on the boards are covered up by advertising hoardings, which makes it incredibly different for officials um, on on the night. But I mean, take away from the rink, I think you know Basingstoke played that played the, played the you know particularly the third period well. They 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 closed us down. They took their chances when they got it. Um, 
Oliver, Oliver Hemmings Ma scored a really well taken goal, which ended up being, I think, the game winner. And yeah, on on the whole, they probably deserved that. They probably deserved to win that game on the Saturday. Um, I feel like we had maybe opportunities early in the game to build a bit of a lead, maybe, and could have been different if we'd taken them. But I think possibly on that that night, the better team won. And then we went to the link on Sunday and put up double figures on them. And it was just completely crazy. You know, yeah, that's Sunday that night, game. not the Sunday because it wasn't the Sunday. It was a Tuesday or Wednesday because over Christmas, but the comparative, you know, second yeah. of the weekend. <laughs> yeah, the uh, every day is the same. They just kind of all blend into one. That's yeah. Christmas and New Year. Um, yeah, that home game was... I mean, wow. One, if you're a neutral um, and you've come to ice hockey for the first time at the Link Center over Christmas, then those games happen kind of two or three times a year, and they're they're electric when they do. They they really were. The, the boys were superb. They they took almost every chance that came their way. Um, yeah. And I think Aaron said it to me after the game in our interview. Like they, we kind of owed Bays and Stoke because we'd been beaten comprehensively the two games we played them right at the start of September. We were much better the night before than we were back in September against them, but again, fell on the wrong side of the defeat. And I think the boys had a rocket to say, we, we're we not taking four defeats in a row. And they, they put the lamb to the slaughter. They really did. Yeah. And as good as, you know, as good as Jordan Law Day was on, on the, um on Boxing Day, you know, he, he was a huge reason why they won that game. Um, You know, there was some absolutely... Huge save. One one save I can I remember from that game. Obviously, a couple of weeks later now, but one save I remember particularly Ballant Vigosdi late on. Vigosdi on a hat trick with a goal gaping, and somehow Lorde managed to get a just a knob of his stick on it, the top end of that stick, and it was an unreal an unreal stop. And then on the Sunday, I don't think he was. I keep saying the Sunday, it's has habit. On the Tuesday, he wasn't. I don't think he was bad. I think he I think he did as much as he could, but. The cats were just relentless and chased him from the net, and then continued to chase Alex Netum. Um, and yeah, it was kind of really in that third period, just became a question of whether we would get the double figures. Um, I don't think there was a necessary case of running up the score, but it was a case of eventually, you know, the dam is going to keep breaking. Yep. Um, and we were putting so many pucks on net, and yeah, it was just a question of was it going to be seven, eight, nine, or ten? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it was. Um, yeah, that that was a. It was a good, it was a good couple of games. The the, yeah. the the first one was was disappointing, but it wasn't. I would say frustrating. It was just disappointing. Uh, the second one was just perfect. Like, yeah, I don't think there was anything wrong with that second game? No, and there was certainly you know the third period of that game. It got chippy. There were some flash points, and it was probably as loud as I heard the link. Yeah. You know? long long time that third period it was you know the place was absolutely rocking and yeah yeah those are the those if only, are nice if only every game if only every game was as entertaining and the cats played as well in every game because the fans would never have anything to complain about and myself ourselves included because you can never argue with a performance like that in a game as entertaining as that no not at all uh which then sets us up nicely for the Pitbulls, another team that we hadn't beaten. Um, the two, okay, albeit the was it two or three times we previously played them. I think it was two, wasn't it? Was two in the yeah, league. It was, the two. It was beating them in yeah. season, but it was a very yeah. different team by the time we played them in the league. Yeah, for, for a split second now, I kind of dreamt we'd play them an extra game, but we hadn't. No, it hadn't. It's it only been the two, the two times we played them, but but lost both those games. And that first home game. Got off to possibly the worst start. Yeah, I mean, well, Swindon teams traditionally, traditionally Swindon ice hockey teams get off to slow starts. I I can't really ever remember a season where we where we consistently... we're not breaking news there to be honest. No, exactly. Um, I can't really ever remember this season where we thought, oh, blimey, we start games really well this year and score lots of early goals. It's always been a, been a bit sluggish, but yeah, you know, we were. What two nil down inside three minutes, um, three nil down inside of eight minutes, or three one down? Sorry, because we scored on the a power play goal in, in that time. Um, three one down after eight minutes. I think four one down after kind of eleven or twelve minutes. And you're kind of thinking, oh, here we go again. We've had a few games like this where we've dug ourselves into a hole early, leads at home. 
is the one that springs to mind and you think, oh, here we go again. It's going to be one of those nights where we're going to be chasing the game and we're just going to be put to the sword. Yeah. You know, Bristol are fiercely quick. Yeah. You know, they're scarily quick at times. They've got some, some real real speed on that team and they were just getting in behind the defence with ease. And you kind of think this could be a really, really long, really long night. Um, but we got a bit. We got a big goal at the end of the second, or at the end of the first. Sorry, um, into the second from Chris Jones, and kind of felt that that kind of I think turned the momentum in the second into the second period. And the rest of the way, I thought we were superb. Um, yeah, I thought the uh, the moment that CJ scored for me then on, uh, it was night and day. It was a completely different team. I don't think at the time the puck hit the back of the net when CJ scored, I was sat there thinking. Blimey, this is going to be the thing that turns this game around and we're going to win this game. Because, um, yeah, I didn't. However, looking back at it now, that was a that was a huge turning point. I think going into that first period, as bad as we were in that first 15 minutes, whatever you want to call it, which we were, you're not going into a period break three goals down and you're two goals down and we've all played the... The ice hockey video game where every single other piece of commentary from the from the commentators is two goals is the worst lead in ice hockey. Yeah. Well, yeah, that night it was because yeah, the the boys just roared back and they didn't panic. And I thought that was the most important thing. They didn't try and push the play and and try and score five goals in three minutes kind of thing to turn it around. They they were patient. They took their chances and they just did the right thing shift by shift knowing that if they did the right things, the chances were going to come. As long as they took them, they were in a game. And that's yeah. what Yeah, and they got, you know, they got, we got a couple of big goals at big times. Yep. Um, you know, obviously we, we went into that third period tie. We got, you know, the goal that Aaron scored would be one of the probably stranger goals he scored this year because it was a really, you know, the finish itself was just a very standard Aaron Nell finish. He got put through, but he got put through in a really odd way by Bristol players, you know, it was a bit of a bit, the whole shift to be fair for both teams was a bit of a car crash with guys falling over left, right and centre. And suddenly Aaron bursting through the middle, I think Colby jumping off the bench and watching Aaron roar past him. Yeah, pretty much that type of game. And yeah, I felt in that third, it feels weird because obviously the third period was a close, it was close. It finished seven, six. Yeah. But I didn't feel we were going to lose that, that hockey game. It got a bit sketchy at the end. Those last kind of that thirty seconds, you know, we we conceded and then took a penalty, and it got a bit bit sketchy. But I feel we deserved the win. We were the better team for those last two periods, and you know, Russ Cowley scored the two coming in. Like I say, those two big goals. Colby Tower got a big goal in the third as well, and that line kind of was was what it took in the end to get us over the get get us to the win, get those two points in the bag. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. it really was, and like you said, that's that second line were were great. They, I thought in particular that game. Uh, I'm ninety five percent sure he got man of the match, but I thought Russ was was yeah, utterly did. superb, and it wasn't just for the goals. I think it was his calming, patient style of play kind of just infected on everybody else, really. Yeah, and I think Russ is one of those players who, you know, he's he, he's not. He's at the obviously he's coming he's, he's at the back end of his career you know that's where he, we are he's thirty nine years old but you just see that quality when he plays on the ice that you know the hockey brain is there you know he maybe doesn't have the speed anymore but I don't know necessarily what we all thought we were getting myself included I certainly know there were obviously comments about when he put up points his numbers have dropped off significantly the last couple of years. It was still a point a game in Milton Keynes last year, but you know, compare that to the years before where he'd been well over a point a game. You weren't we weren't sure what kind of what kind of player we were getting in Russ Cowley this year. And the fact that he's come in and he's currently playing at a pace that over a full season would put him up well over 80 points. You know, he's rolled in he's he's rolled back the years. You know, he's shown he's still a quality player. He's shown why he played so many years in the elite league and for GB and yeah, you know, as you say, he's just got that experience and that calm and patience. And again, we'll talk about it a bit with the Raiders game, but you can tell when he's not in the lineup. I think he's a player that is underratedly missed by this Cats team when he doesn't play. Yep, I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. He's, I've said this to you privately, I probably said it to you in the rink, and I'm going to say it here right now. Um, he's one of the first names I'd want back on my roster for next year. 
absolutely i appreciate we've both been vocal on this podcast before about maybe the team looking towards getting younger at times in certain positions but yeah. and i know signing a 39 year old isn't exactly helping with that but the guy is class absolutely yeah. quality and i don't think uh, we can talk about it more as well we will talk about it more in a bit because there yeah. are other stories we have to talk about in this episode but I think you can balance getting younger with keeping those head experience heads around and that quality around. Um, you can't expect, you know, 17, 18 year olds to jump into that role yeah. straight away. They're going to need to learn. And who better to learn from than guys like Russ Cowley and Thomas Malazinski and all the, those guys who have been there and done that and, you know, are top quality players. Yeah. You know, no, no, absolutely. Having those guys, you, you, there, is, there is a need for this Cats team to get younger. That's not that's not questionable. I think everyone has, you know, said it at some point this year, and there is a need for younger players to start coming through because our core is getting older. But I don't think you can necessarily expect to get rid of the entire core in one go and go straight to the youngsters. There has to be a process, and I think Russ is still part, very much part of that process. Yeah, no, I agree, and we will obviously talk. How do I word it? We will talk signings and what we would do with the team, I'm sure, as we get closer to the end of the season. But we're yes. going to park, park that bus uh, for now because we went to Bristol and the Southwest was red for about Less than 24 hours. About 18 hours. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was a nice time. It was an enjoyable 18 hours. But yeah, it, was. it didn't last. No, it didn't. Um, Oh, what do I think to that game in Bristol? I thought we were unlucky. Yeah, Last day, I, I actually thought we put enough effort in to get a point out of that game. I thought both teams did. Uh, I'll give credit to Bristol. Uh, they obviously, second time they'd sold out. It was a interesting atmosphere in the building that night. <laughs> and, you know, they, they, they played their part in that game as much as we did. Um, I I thought we were good. I thought both teams were good enough for overtime. We said it, I think, to each other probably in the rink, or at least I overheard you say it. Kind of stood behind me. Once you hit the last five minutes of any game and you're tied, it's all overtime. It is all yeah, overtime from there. It becomes a it becomes kind of a particularly a game like that that was so tight and such a battle, and both netminders were on it, and both teams were kind of playing such solid hockey that there wasn't going to be a a comeback if you can see in that in those last three four minutes um you know it it, it, it as, you, as you say it becomes like a almost a first overtime period but one where there isn't an overtime point on it yeah um, and you know we make one we made a mistake i think aaron said it in his interview we made a mistake and sobchak had way too much time and space at that point and you know he's been their best player all year and absolutely buried his chance Yep. Um, and yeah, you know, it's frustrating. It's disappointing to come out, out of that with nothing because I think, as you say, I think it was an in, I wouldn't say it was an injustice, but I think it would, both teams, yeah, both teams would have felt down if they hadn't got more. If that had been the other way, you know, I think Colby had a breakaway not too long before that and he couldn't get, and he just couldn't bury it on curling. And if Col- Colby puts that one away and we go on and win the game and that, I think Bristol come away thinking, wow, we should have had a point there. Yeah. That should have gone to overtime. And Unfortunately for us, on the night it was Bristol who got the chance and took it. Yep, and it was it was a nice finish. To be fair, from Sobchak, like you said, he's been one of their best players. For me, he's probably been he probably has been, but he's almost certainly been probably the most consistent player every time I've seen them. Yeah, um, kind of shift after shift, he just does what he does what he says on the tin. Really, he just just gets on with it and is yeah, a hard yeah. worker. He's got some skill and isn't afraid to be physical and puts points up. And you can see why he's got the C on his on his jersey. You know, yeah. for them, you know, he leads from the front. He, he he plays the way that the team should be playing, and you know they follow that. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. I absolutely do. Which which then pretty much brings us up to this weekend, where we then think, okay, two decent performances against Bristol, um, one home game, back to normality. Thursday night training, Friday night training, Saturday game. And we have another slow start again. Yeah. Except this one was possibly a little bit longer of a slower start. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't as dramatic a slow start in terms of being 4-1 down inside 10 minutes slow. 
but again it was just yeah you know again we conceded first second shift again which it was early on in the game inside the first minute second shift we made a change so which is never good and we've had too many starts like that where we this year where you know, we've conceded on the kind of second, third shot of the game, and you can't blame. I'm not going to sit here. I'm not blaming Rennie, obviously, on that. That's you know a team defence thing as well. But you have to. You, you there's too been too many times, particularly I think at home, where we've been out battled in those early shifts, and teams have come out hard at us, and we've not been ready. You know, maybe I don't know if that's mentally. I don't know if that's physically, but you know, we haven't looked. We haven't looked ready for the opening puck drop. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not an expert in why. I'm not. A, I'm not a psychiatrist. But yeah, it does feel like there've been too many games where we've just not been at the races early on, and that is, I feel like, one of the disappointing things this year. You know, when you look at the goals we conceded in that third, we just we were you know two one down at the end of that first period, and you look at the two goals we conceded. One was second shift. The other one was a bad turnover behind the net and guy a guy left wide open in the slot and a, you know a guy who's Aaron Connolly who is a proven scorer at this level he's a proven and, scorer in Swindon as well and yeah in Swindon and then you've got you know we, we, we get one back you know we've got some momentum we, we tie the game um, in that second period and then we immediately again you immediately leave a guy open in front of the net on the next shift and For me, that was the um... momentum again for me, that was the turning point in that game. Yeah, it was the fact we, that we tied it up, and within what three minutes later, we were two back to two goals down. Two goals down, yeah, exactly. And we say we scored the big goals at the big times in that home game against Bristol. We just it was the other way around against the Raiders. They were the ones who scored the big goals. Um, and you know there were a couple of goals that I'm sure Rennie would want back. There was a couple of goals that the D would want back, and you know we had plenty of. Sh- and then there were you know we had plenty of shots on Ethan James. <laughs> we had what sixty something shots. 65 shots on goal. Well, even James, but again, it's the quality of those shots. You know, there were far too many which were just, you know, ended up just being chipped in from the outside, trying to get a breeze or and, and start again, and just never. It just felt a bit, a bit lackluster. And I've seen, you know, we've all been on, you know, we've we've all seen the comments and we've all heard Aaron's comments and his thoughts. We've all seen fans' comments and stuff, but. It was just, yeah, for me, it was just a bit flat and it just never got going. And those are the kind of really disappointing games because that is a, the Raiders are a team who are, we're in a battle with for position. And those are the games that you want, we've beaten them, you know, again, we've beaten them three times this year. And that's another one that you want to win. Those, those big games, you know, you've got to find ways to beat the teams around you to secure that position in the playoffs. Yeah. And do you know what? For me, the frustration, the, the biggest frustration walking away from the rink last Saturday was was probably not the result in a roundabout way. Yeah, you you want to win those games, but yeah. like performance-wise, I've seen us play worse this year. We have, oh, yeah. But, yes, we've, we've played for worse. For me, it no, was just, it was just frustrating, game. like you say, to... I don't want to say to have left something behind because I don't... You know, I, I never, I've, I will never ever sit here and say the boys don't put effort in, they don't try because it is anyone that does doesn't watch hockey. It's crystal clear the boys, the boys put their effort in to win every game they play, and I will never ever change my opinion on that. No matter if we've won ten nil or got beaten ten nil, it's always the more frustrating ones to me, knowing that they're capable of more. Yeah, yeah, and I think say, yeah. that's a fair difference. Yeah, exactly. When I say flat, I don't. I definitely, yeah, just want to clarify. I don't mean not trying, not putting the effort in, but just it just felt off. If you know what I mean, the passing just wasn't as crisp as it should be. Yeah, the there were. It just felt like guys were panicking. There were guys who were maybe trying to do it on their own at times. Yeah, um, I, mean, I would agree with that. It wasn't cohesive, and no. you know the effort was there, but the plan just didn't feel like it was. And you know that's again. What it what it is, you know, the you know, there's that Richie and Aaron, they put a plan out, you know, the boys have to execute it, and either the plan was wrong or the boys weren't executing, or more likely it was somewhere in the middle, and it just didn't quite click on that on that one game. And yeah, it ends up with a kind of frustrating night and obviously unfortunately a defeat, but yeah. yeah, no, it is it was a tough one to take, but that kind of brings us up to 
well, the end of our thirty-second game of the season. So let's um, let's not go and round up what happened over Christmas, team by team, day by day, because, like I said about twenty minutes ago, this would take all year to do that. Yeah. I think let's just talk uh, league table and then then um, news from over Christmas, shall we say? Yeah. Okay. So the good news is you're absolutely saved from the results round up tonight as well. That will yeah, return. We are. That, that, is... that is. We're going to break our listeners in gently next week. That will return. But so, yeah. today you're, you're safe. Enjoy, enjoy that. Um, so the Leeds Knights are top of the table. The MK were Christmas number one, but Leeds have kind of taken that spot back with some results going their way. But also, you know, they just keep winning. They're on 56 points from 30 games. They've still only lost once in regulation. We've got something there. On I was going to say, if that one keeps going to the end of the season, I'll be semi semi smug when I'm walking around Coventry. Yeah, yeah. The Lightning, the Lightning was second, thirty three games, fifty three points. So leads three points ahead with three games in hand. It's certainly they're the team in the ascendancy at the moment. Then you have the Phantoms on fifty two from thirty three, and the Steel Dogs round out the top four, thirty one games played, forty five points. Then there's a gap, admittedly. 32 games, 35 points for the Wildcats in fifth. The Raiders, after a perfect weekend against the Wildcats and the Lightning, that is a huge weekend for, for the Raiders. Um, they're on 31, uh, 33 points sorry, from 31 games. Telford, 33 games played, 25 points. Things not well in Telford, unfortunately. Only one win in many games now. <laughs> I feel... I can't remember how many games it was. After another another defeat against the Bison on Sunday as well. So Helford are being dragged now down because the Bristol Pitbulls are 33 games, 23 points, so only two points behind. Then you've got the Bison in ninth on the outside of the playoffs looking in, 32 games, 21 points. The Hull Seahawks, 34 games and 15 points, and the Bees, 32 games and 15 points. So, um, yeah, not things not well in Telford, but an interesting kind of again the league has been sort of split now you can see the top four have kind of broken away we're as i think you i feel like swindon and the raiders are in that kind of battle for fifth and sixth really now the raiders big weekend kind of pulls them right back into that mix Mm -hmm. and then you've kind of got that 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 bottom five now with telford being dragged down into that into that battle for the last two playoff spots um and you know all of all five teams will look at that and say, "Well, if we can get on a run, we'll, we're in with a chance." You know, Bees had a big win against Basingstoke on um, Saturday, and then went to overtime against the Steel Dogs, for example. So, you know, there's there's teams out there who will be looking at Telford and Bristol as a target. Um, also, I guess a shout out to the Steel Dogs who managed who went to Hull and won without the, without the Dimmy God. Yeah, they did. That was that was definitely worth a uh, worth, worth a shout, a shout out, out. Um, to uh, Nick Winters. I think on his first National League win. Yeah, and like like you just said there, I think I think it's probably fair to say the league title at the moment is looking like Leeds is to lose. Yeah, the position they're in with the games in hand they've got and just the way they've been playing is still absolutely out of this world. Although we I will mean, talk, we will talk Leeds roster moves shortly. Yeah. I mean, they're just blowing teams away. Yeah, and they're like, winning both. They're winning both ways. You look at it, and they they've had some tight wins over Christmas. Um, you know, they were perfect over the Christmas period. They had a couple of couple of close games, but they got the wins. And then they rocked up against Bristol, who what two months ago when they played them and then played us, they had a real battle against down in Bristol, and they have absolutely blown them out of the water for two games in a row. Yeah, what was it, eight one and nine nil? Yeah, something That's like that. Crazy. It's just. It's just almost cheat code hockey at times. Yeah. Um, but and then, like you said, the Sheffield, Swindon, and Romford, especially Swindon and Romford, you feel like they're just not really going to go anywhere. They're they're potentially going to swap each other around and yeah. and and just kind of stick there. I I still think both teams have at this point getting enough results to keep themselves away, clear of that playoff hunt that's going on below them I, I yeah. don't see either team playing bad enough hockey consistently enough to drop in I really really hope 
I'm completely accurate on that from a Swindon. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like where Swindon and Raiders have differed from, say, Telford um, or Basingstoke recently, and I know Bristol have picked up a little bit, but certainly Telford and Basingstoke because they're just that consistently. Okay, the season has been inconsistent for both Swindon and Raiders, but they've found ways to win. Yeah, they've they've all they've never had lengthy. Yeah, I think it would take either team going on a lengthy run for them to be, you know, you're talking five, six defeats in a row to be sucked back into that. And then you're relying on, you know, the teams, all those teams below to be the ones winning the games as well. Exactly. um, But Swindon have got, you know, if you look at Swindon to Basingstoke, you've got a 14 point gap at the moment with, what, 20 odd games to go. So it's not completely unassailable for teams like Basingstoke to catch Swindon. But you know they need to go on a good run. They need yeah. to win and go on a bad run. Yeah, absolutely. However, that race for the bottom of the playoffs is going to be absolutely amazing to watch over the next two months. Yeah, because those teams are just going to be playing each other, and there's it's not even just two teams. We're talking about five. We're talking about half the league battling out against each other to get into two spots. Um, yeah. You've got up and coming clubs, for example, like. Bristol and we'll throw Hull in there too. You've got established teams like Basingstoke who their fan base at the start of the season would probably thought it was not a given they would be in the playoffs, but they would be stunned if they wouldn't be. You'd expect to be in the top eight of a team. It would be a real shock of an even if the Basingstoke Bison were not in the playoffs come the end of the season, you know, given how I mean that would be a big shock because you imagine how big the shock would be if Telford won. Yeah, well, exactly. Telford, I mean, like I say, they're only four points clear and they lost to Basingstoke for the weekend. They're only four points clear and with a game more played of the Bison and Telford are, you know, the back-to-back defending champions of the National League. Yeah, it's... Um... That would be quite some... That would be, you know, that, that that's the equivalent of, I don't know, using an elite league Cardiff suddenly going from winning two, two, two times in a row a few years ago to, you know, missing the elite league playoffs. Yeah, it would be just insane, absolutely insane. Um, we just, I just saw Ted just then. We'd come back to to roster moves. Let's before we talk about Super Cooper, as he's known as up north. Um, Jack Goodchild. Yes, I think it's one that we've been kind of one kind of opening and allowing about whether we should talk about this for a while, but we've kind of always put it off because there was nothing official, and you know, you don't want to go behind either the club or the players back and say something that, you know, maybe you shouldn't. So, yeah, obviously has left the Wildcats, um, formerly now on a two-way still with the Slough Jets, but now with the Bees instead. Yes. Should, should I start? Or <laughs> oh, no, I, was about, I was about to say, right, let's move on. No, no, yeah. no, let's not. Jack no. is... <sighs> okay, let, let's start this off. Jack's... Jack's a good young hockey player. Yeah. That is the bottom line. Jack is a good young hockey player who has got a good head on his shoulders, who is a nice kid, a really nice kid, and someone that has had a good impact on the Wildcats organization since the start of the COVID series when he made his debut behind closed doors and everyone at home and myself stood ringside with about four face masks on at the time were hadn't seen enough of him. Like we hadn't seen Jack. We we'd seen glimpses of Reed. They kind of came together, um, but we'd never seen Jack. He he was part of OHA. He was. I remember he'd signed on that. Was it three way deal with OHA? Yeah. The Raiders two and Raiders two and yeah, somewhere else. Senior, was, I think it was the senior well. cats, but to yeah, tra- training purposes, he was going to be playing his games with Raiders two, and then he had OHA as well in there. And yeah, exactly. And and I, I'd seen and yourself. I know you and me had probably seen glimpses of him at OHA, but. Uh, had never, had never been considered for me going into that season as a roster spot. Uh, and he came in and was playing. If I remember rightly, he's playing with Matthew Myers to start the season off, which which is just insane for a kid to be coming out of his academy under eighteen age, and then jumping in playing against one of the best players that Britain have ever produced. Yeah, is mental. Yeah, and I think we expected. I, I think there was some expectation around Reed because we'd seen the numbers yeah. from the junior. We'd seen him have that year in, you know, split between the, the Wildcats two and the Cardiff Fire and South One, and he put up big numbers for both of them. And 
there was that little bit of expectation of okay this kid's this kid's good what 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 have we got here and you know he came out and did well but with Jack he not had that because of the you know season being cancelled due to COVID he hadn't had that that opportunity to really show what he could do in South One so it was real it was kind of that real shock that this kid had come straight from academy hockey to the senior you know side in a really weird tournament as well where you know you've had those big name elite league guys on across the roster I mean I mean the Sheffield Steel Dogs were kind of the Steelers and friends at that point you know you had NHL draft pick Liam Kirk icing for yeah. him in that second part of the series as well so it was fairly you know it was it was really impressive and then last year he came in and he had you know kind of that proper first full full season of senior hockey with us and he did okay you know he played well I don't think he did anything wrong maybe didn't put up the numbers he would have liked um, I know certainly we spoke to him I remember speaking to him after again, I think in Leeds where Sam Gospel had denied him a couple of times on breakaways and he was just gutted not to get that goal um, you know but he played well and I think it was going the right way and then this year it just hasn't quite worked out for him you know he started the season in this kind of I would say strange role on a line with Reed and Colby. And I know people have said that was a really good line and we should have kept it together, but I don't think that was ever going to be a feasible option when you look at the makeup of the roster. It just wasn't balanced. You know, it wasn't really, I don't think it was quite the right fit for Colby as a player. I don't think it was really the right fit for Jack. And yeah, for some reason it just didn't work. He got somewhat squeezed out of the roster and his ice time, and I think, you know, there certainly there were games where we were both sat there thinking, why is Jack not icing? You know, what's what's the, what's the reason for Jack not icing? And you know, there were other games where you're like, okay, Jack's not icing, and it makes sense because of the game situation. But yeah, there were times where I feel like maybe Jack probably rightly had a had a point to why am I not getting ice time and everyone else is, and it kind of just yeah, I think when you get in that situation, it comes very really difficult for. For everyone and yeah obviously he's had his two-way with Slough he's put up numbers and you know the bees have offered him an opportunity to come in and play you know minutes and as a young player you've got to take that opportunity and yeah. I don't think anyone is going to hold that against him um, yeah. it's a shame it hasn't worked out for him here I really wish it had you know there is a feeling a little bit you know when you see a young player go oh it's another one that got away and we have had a few of those over the years but yeah, it's just a it's a difficult situation and it's a shame it's come to it, but you know, I certainly don't think there's any I hope there's no bad blood between Jack and Swindon and certainly Jack and the Swindon fan base because I know everyone at the Wildcats fan or certainly us and we we can't speak for the fan base, but certainly the impression I get from talking to Wildcats fans is they wish him nothing but success and they kind of wish he was having a successful Swindon. Yeah, no, I think I think that sums it up nicely. And like you said, we could talk, we could talk for ages, for ages um, about about the the, the move yeah. and Jack. And we don't need to. It's Jack's a young hockey player who who's missed out on a whole season of hockey when everyone else was still playing. We were still playing, but and yeah, don't get me wrong, Jack was a big part of that team. But Jack didn't have what he probably would have had that year, which would have been that two way deal with. The Raiders too, and yeah. OHA. He went, and, he, went from, he, he went from paying probably 50, 60 games that season to playing fifteen. Yeah, and it 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 was it was big for him. And you look at it, and he's just yeah, it's a shame. Um, we you know we spoke earlier in the show about obviously wanting the team to get younger, and you know guys like Jack at some point. You know it's okay, probably not going to be Jack now, but you know those sort of guys are going to have to be given the opportunity to step up and Reed has shown he can do that and other players have shown they can do that. Bally and Ollie Stone have stepped into bigger roles this yeah. year. So there is that opportunity for players to do that. But yeah, um it is a shame. Um but as you say, that lost year for Jack has meant he's need he needs the ice time. And if he wasn't going to get it in Swindon then someone else someone else was going to give it to him. And the Bees with a short roster and the Jets with a coach like Lucas Mittel. They're, they're both Excellent opportunities for them. Yeah, and again, we I said it at the start of this little segment. Jack goes with both of our best wishes, and I know that I know I'll certainly endeavour to keep in touch with the kid because he's a great lad, and you know I genuinely hope he has a 
as a good career. Um, I, I, will, no I, will, I, will, I have no doubt it's going to go have a good career. I mean, I don't know what is going to become of his career, but I have yeah. no doubt it's going to be a good one. Yeah, um, I agree. And I will say this because I say it to Jack on his in front. If I was talking to him right now, so I have no problem saying it on the podcast. I wish you the best of luck, except when you're playing the Wildcats, because that's just the way it goes now. I'm afraid. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, mate. Wants a wildcat and all that, but you still yeah. not allowed to. Yeah, he wants a wildcat. You can go and score. You can go and score six or seven goals against the Bison, and I will be very, very happy for you. Score a couple of goals against us. I'm not talking to you for a while. Not every former wildcat is allowed to be Owen Griffiths. No, no, exactly. Um, speaking of transfer news, the breaking news just before. Well, after this again, the breaking news just before Christmas was Leeds had signed Mac Howler. Then the breaking news came after Christmas. Grant Cooper's off to the Elite League. Yeah. Um, you we could spend hours talking about this. Yeah. You win something. <laughs> like, Matt Cowlett is a superb signing and is, by all accounts, been really good. And I really, really, really look forward to having to defend against him against all, yeah, and no, all I of the don't. other Leeds players. I really don't. Play them. I think yeah. I'd rather Grant Cooper over Matt Cowlett, to be honest with you. Yeah. It hurts. Another, Matt Cowlett is another guy who we know well from OHA. And yeah, he's. He's quick, he's skilled, he's probably too good for the National League. He is. If he'd assigned insert, in the summer, insert the if, same he assigned, if he'd assigned in the summer, that is a top four, top five signing in the National League. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think to be able to pick up a guy of that quality mid season. Um obviously, you know, there are reasons around that, one of which is obviously Cooper leaving other things that happened as well. But yeah, with Cooper Coop, obviously I mean Grant Cooper is the best player in the National League. And we don't know exactly when he's going because Leeds haven't announced it themselves, but he's going at some point to the Elite League. Um, I would say the other teams will be relieved the day it happens, but Leeds have signed a replacement import, not that we know who that is yet. No, we don't know who that is either, but yeah. If that sticks up with the same kind of calibre and they've got Howler and Brown and Shudra and Hayward and everyone, it's just like... I was going to say, Leeds, I was going to say, with Cooper, he is the best player in the National League bar none. And if he'd stayed the full season, I think he would have been pretty much a lock to get the National Season League uh, National League Player of the Season award. I don't think anyone would have come close to close to him. No. The numbers he was putting up were ridiculous. He, was, he plays a two way game. He's, he's physical. He does everything you want of an import. Um, he's every bit you know that North American power forward. <laughs> he yep. puts up ridiculous numbers. Um, he's going to be a huge loss to Leeds. He is an elite league player playing National League hockey and. Yeah, I think it was. A, I think it's safe to say it was always only ever going to be a one-year deal. But it's, I guess, a shame for Leeds fans that it has come to an end before the end of that season. But it is the classic case of a victim of your own success, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. He's 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 been noticed because of the fact that he's been ridiculous and lighting it up. And yeah, it's. I mean, don't get me wrong. Leeds are still title favourites, and they're still. Yeah, he's still there at this point. At the yeah, time. He, yeah, that's the other thing. He's still, still scoring hat-tricks. Hat-tricks against, yeah, exactly, the pit balls at the weekend. So it's not as if he's he's suddenly gone. We don't know. Like I said, he may still be in the, he may even be in the lineup in two weeks' time when we play them. I don't, we don't know. But, you know, it's, he, he he's going to be a huge loss and whoever comes in has got big skates to fill. But equally, you don't necessarily, with the balance, particularly with the Howell signing, that Leeds team don't necessarily need another Cooper to continue their charge. They just need a good import to fill out the top six. Watch Oldie go and sign someone like Jan Kostel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolute defensive workhorse just to kind of... Balance or import D-man, you know, throw that curveball in there. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's so crazy, but yeah... And then at the other end of that spectrum, I'm going to talk about this ever so quickly because we had a little list earlier of things we're going to talk about, and there's two things we forgot. I think I know. I think I know which what this is. Um, is this going to be Neil Lydia debate? It is. By it is. Yeah. I, I remember. I, I did remember that about five minutes ago. So yeah. Well, I said there's two things we've forgotten, and we'll come back, back to that in a second. Yeah, Lids is back. Um, Lids is back playing hockey somewhere where he played 53 years ago. Um, 
for the bison and that was also coincidentally the last time i did any refurbishment work in the ice rink so yeah i was gonna say it was new it was it, it was new when, when, <laughs> yeah, when, when lids was last year it was new when lids was last yeah. there and uh lids i have Shiny. absolutely zero expectation you're listening to this but if you are yeah sorry mate but uh you deserve that one after retiring Oh, sorry, oh. in air quotes, retiring. That's yeah, it. He's come out of, it's quite impressive. He's come out of his retirement twice in the same season. Yeah, he's he come has. Come out of his retirement from hockey to go to Chelmsford, and then he's come out of his National League retirement to go to Basingstoke. So he has, yeah. yeah. Um, Thanks, Lids. Remind us, remind us not to um, do a big celebration for you next time. Yeah, I did say this. Uh, I did say this through my Facebook, actually. I'm, uh, I'm not doing another Coventry piece like, for him, so that that stays there. It's a bit like um, it's a bit like like if there's any Speedway fans listening to it, it's a bit like the Abbey farewell meet. This <laughs> if there's any Swindon Speedway fans who listen to the podcast, there's a sweepstake. What is going to happen? Neil Lydia retires more while the Abbey farewell meetings. I think that's currently three two in favour of the Abbey. Yeah, yeah. He's got one more lids, one yeah. more mate. Um, yeah, that's the other end of the spectrum. Uh, Defensively, Basingstoke needed a body, and you're not going to find anybody with any more experience than that. No, exactly, exactly. Is Neil Lydia the player that he was in his prime? You know, 25 years ago. No, he's not. 35 years ago. Yeah, no. I mean, joking aside, you know, is Neil Lydia the same player was in Guildford in the in the kind of 2011 EPL? Probably not. He's, you know, he's not got the wheels, but he's still a solid, experienced head for a team who need a solid, experienced head at the back. Yeah, you know, they've they've struggled defensively all year. The netminders have. We we we've shown that when they're off, the netminders get humped sent to the wolves. And at least Lids is going to go out there. He's going to block some shots, and he's going to, you know, he's going to be physical and lead from lead from the front, and you know, do everything that he should. Whether he's, you know. I, I, I'd always take Lids in the Swindon jersey. Whether he'd, be, he'd have been the right fit this year, I don't know. But, you know, I love the guy. And it's going to be weird. Weird when we're shouting, there's always one for you here, Lids, but really don't want there to be one for him. Yeah, I, I, like we, I'm sure he's expected me to start shouting that the moment he sees me in Swindon and whenever the next time we play Basingstoke is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree with those comments. I mean, one thing I will say, which is, about as tongue in cheek as I have been all the way through this segment, so I'm sorry. Um, Basingstoke shot counts are generally pretty tragic anyway. When you've got lids blocking said shots, I I feel sorry for your netminders. I was going to say their save percentages when you when you take out when you take out all the shots that lids has blocked, their save percentages are going to be right downhill. It's <laughs> really they, 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 have some, they have some pretty tough shot counters there. You know they're, they're yeah. strict. Yeah, they are strict, let alone when you've got some bloke swallowing 12 pucks a game. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that brings us to the pretty much the end of this episode. Did you say there was one other thing? Yeah, there is one other thing, and I'm going to find myself rather significantly, and I'm going to find you just as much, because we've managed to get through this entire episode. Bearing in mind, we've planned this during the day. Yeah, yeah. Talking about the things we needed to talk about. Yeah. With the exception of one thing. Yeah. Who's the new point scorer in Wildcats history, Tom? Yes, the new top point scorer in Wildcats history. Some guy called Aaron Nell. Um, yeah. Mark and he doesn't like talking about it, so the good news is we haven't got to talk about it for very long. No, I was going to say that's enough, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, about as much as, it's about as much as Aaron's talked about it so far. But no, in, in all seriousness, you, you I can't remember what the number is. It's I believe it's 1,064, but I'm going to just double check. I am just going to very quickly double check and talk whilst I'm filling and just just looking on this. Um, to do yeah, one thousand and forty six was oh, the magic. Close. Number. I had the numbers the wrong way around. Yeah, I mean that is an incredible achievement. Obviously, beating the great Daryl Lipsy, and I know we've said you know Lipper will always be Mister Swindon Wildcats. He will. He will always be Mister Swindon Wildcats, and he also did it obviously because of the era he played in in a lot less games than Aaron's done it. But I think it's just as impressive the fact that Aaron has managed that in this era, particularly when you consider he lost a year to COVID and a year to his shoulder injury. And arguably the year after his shoulder injury, he took a, probably a year to get back to the player he was. Yeah. And he had a year in Coventry and a year in, or half a year in Sheffield 
So the other thing I was going to say to that, and it's not, it's not to take away from anything you've just said, and not to take away from any of Daryl's achievements, because like you said, Daryl will be Mister Swindon, and I don't think Aaron will ever let anybody say otherwise. No. He's done all of this whilst being coach, and more recently GM. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I I know I know that I had conversations with Aaron before this was happening. I've been counting, I've been counting this one for what probably about a year or so. I've been yeah, talking you know to you about coming. when it might likely to happen, be be to happen. I know Aaron doesn't want to acknowledge it because at the end of the day, he's still playing and he's just not that guy. But not- this is an achievement that. For me, I don't think it's ever, ever going to be matched. No, to, to kind think... of, I, I can't really. Quant- I, there's some people out there that have asked me, like, is anyone else ever going to do it? Like, are we going to see this again? And I can't really quantify it other than to say, Thomas Malazinski is probably the best import we've had since the Ice Lord days. He's the most biggest point scorer, the biggest, like, entertainer the the skill everything he's got thomas has been fantastic thomas scores points for fun thomas scored 20 odd points in december on his way to player of the month thomas still doesn't have 500 he's not even halfway there and look how dominant he's been since he's been here over the last seven years and i think it's the ridiculous consistency of aaron over effectively 10 seasons if you if you kind of Add, you know, those two year that kind of two half seasons where he was yep. came back from the elite league mid year. The fact he had that one season, like I say, where he hurt his shoulder and he was only played sixteen games that year. I mean, he still scored twenty eight points in those sixteen games, but it's a ridiculous consistency of, you know, seventy nine points, one hundred and fifteen points, eighty two points, eighty points. Okay, then you had three years where he didn't play as many games due to injury and then being in South One, a hundred points, eighty five points, and he's on pace for ninety three points this year. It's that ridiculous consistency for a decade of always scoring 80 to 100 points a year yeah. and never really having a bad season in it. Whilst um, over the last six, seven years, yeah. worrying think, about how many people are coming in through the building, what your sponsorship deals are looking like. How a team is going to play, what your line combinations on a Monday morning, What are your line combinations? What practices am I running on training on Thursday night? Where the kit is, like what sticks we need to go and buy from Warrior on Tuesday morning because we've yeah. broken them all. Yeah. No, exactly. It's it's Insane. crazy. And if it gets broken, then I look forward to watching the player who breaks it because we've got a hell of a treat you know, yeah. in that. Whoever, if it ever does, and I'll happily have egg on my face, I I, I don't I'll shake the kid I'll shake the guy by the hand because I just I just can't see where I think, it's going be, I think if, if 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 that ever happens, we'll be very old and we see it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we're both think, getting there already but yeah no, well um i just think yeah it's not going to be it's not going to happen anytime soon it's a record that's going to live like i say potentially forever certainly for a long long time and it is an incredible achievement whether you whatever your views on Aaron now the person the coach the player you know i think that it's an incredible it's, it's an incredible achievement you know, I think uh, you've you talked about his consistency. I will happily have a debate with anybody regarding who the most consistent British player outside the Elite League has been over the last 10, 15 years, I would... and I will fight to my death saying yeah. it's Aaron now. Yeah. I would also throw out there, just for the sake of people who are seeing, just people who are seeing their thinking, but those numbers don't add up to 1,046. That was, those were just regular season. Yes, yeah, well. exactly that. that. A lot of people say. Playoffs as well. Yeah. Yeah, chuck the cups, the playoffs, and all the other competitions in it. And I'll say again, none of the numbers I do include challenge games, and the challenge games don't matter. But how many hat tricks has he got in a challenge? Yeah, as I say, the challenge games don't count at all against those points. So it's just crazy. It's it is. Crazy. It's insane. And like I said, Thomas Manazinski isn't halfway yet. Let alone closing him down. He is literally in a world of his own. There's only two players that have ever hit a thousand points. How far can Aaron go? I don't know. But if he keeps up this consistency, and this year he's not shown signs of slowing down, yeah. I, I maybe say he probably doesn't have the zip in his legs that he used to, but he's on pace for 93 points. He's still scoring goals. I feel like it's one of those things where Aaron could decide. I mean, let's be honest. Aaron, he could decide to carry on playing. We don't know what his 
he might he might go on for three more years. He's you know whatever he decides to do, he's got every every point he gets now is one further away from Lipper. Is one further away from anyone else. And yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. He, we're not talking about a thousand and forty six, and that's it. Thank you very much. I'm done now. It, it, that number's going to get bigger. But he's already going to be past a thousand and fifty because he's up to a thousand and forty six in. In Bristol, or close to 1,050. He didn't, I don't know what he, yeah. done, what he did. Well, he did against Romford. He's got a yeah. couple of points in that. So yeah, he's exactly. already going to be around 1,050. So I yeah, I I think I think he is. And you know, we've got 20 games left of the season. Plus, I'd love to love to say four playoff games, but who knows? No reason, no reason he's not going to be looking at you know next 1,100. Season, when am I going to get exactly start next season? Oh, when we're going to get my 1,100 point. Exactly, exactly that, and yeah, yeah I, I can, I could have this debate for hours, and I don't need to debate with you because, you know, I know, I know, we pretty much agree on that, but we couldn't have done this episode without mentioning that. So, Aaron, if you do listen to these, still, I, I'm sorry because I know you didn't want to hear it, but I know you probably thought we'd forgotten, but um, yeah, no, sorry, well, mate. What because we had. <laughs> yeah, we had. To be honest, we had, and then about five minutes into recording this, I suddenly went, oh yeah. It was about the moment where you were talking about his goal against uh, yeah. Bristol, I think it was. Mainly because we were going into that game expecting him to score two points and we scored seven goals and somehow he only scored one. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. Every single time we touched the puck, we were convinced it was going to be that moment. Yeah. And it wasn't. And I and I will say this. I The only thing I'll say is a negative was that whole event of me tracking those numbers. The goal he scored against Bristol at home was a hell of a lot better than the goal he scored against Bristol away. Yeah, if yeah. that had been the goal to seal the points, that had been the most Aaron no way possible breakaway, top corner, hands up in the air at the balcony. That would have been the got, way to do it. Got a scramble at the side of the net. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was the only negative of that whole event. But yeah. no, uh, that that brings me to the end of this episode. I know that you're very quickly just going to say what's happening this weekend because you know let's break yeah. in 2023 with a triple header. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say why not start with a triple header? So. Three and three, Friday night, we're in Slough taking on the Bees. It's the game that was cancelled earlier in the year because of um, light, the lighting failing at um, Slough Ice Arena. So that is a 7.30pm face-off on Friday night. This podcast might even be out by Friday, we don't know. It depends on when we can edit it. But... <laughs> as, long, as long as I can edit it, it will be. Um, if not, let's hope we've got the win last night. 7.30pm face-off, and if you can't make it down the M4 on a Friday night, buy the stream because the ec- always excellent Joe Scutts will be on the mic. Yep. Um, he'll hate me for saying that, but yep. there you go. The, Sorry, Joe. And then we go into what was our scheduled doubleheader for the weekend against the Sheffield Steel Dogs. 6.30 face-off at the link for the home game on Saturday. Streams, tickets, etc. Available um, online, and then on Sunday... Up in Sheffield, it's the nice early Sheffield four thirty face off, which is nice. I like that on a on a Sunday. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of that one. Big fan of that on a Sunday night. Four thirty face off in Sheffield again. They have an excellent stream. Um, tickets available. And yeah. go for, and if you can't make it, that, well, I don't know. If you're thinking about going, go. Food's incredible. The food is excellent. The food is incredible. It's the best rink food in the league, and it's just a really nice rink to be honest. It's just a really nice rink to watch hockey in. Yep, it was. Um, the only thing you didn't mention for Saturday, I'm going to very quickly mention it now. Pride jerseys are being worn for the first time. Um, they look really nice in the graphic. Actually, one of the best kind of special jersey designs I've seen the Wildcats do for a while. I'm excited to see them in person this weekend and probably buy some shirt off the bat tickets. Um, the auction's live. There's going to be shirt off the bat. There's going to be an online raffle. There literally is every way possible to get your hands on one of these jerseys. So um, yeah. So yeah, if, if yeah. you enjoy them, go for it. Yeah, definitely. No, they do look really, they do look really, really good. I do like them. I do like the design. I um, saw a picture of the bees ones as well because they wore them in warm up the other night, and they look really, they look really good as well. Yeah, I think across the league, I think yeah. there's going to be some nice ones this year. Peterborough ones look good. They announced them before Christmas, I think it was. Um, yeah, the league. It's good to see the league kind of jump. Not, it's good to see the league kind of getting involved and doing properly something. doing doing because I know we've had it in the past and it was kind of all felt a bit, you know, rushed. So this year it's really nice to see. It. Sorted properly. Yeah. Um, no. Just one other quick thing to mention before um, we end, and it's the Cardiff Devils. Oh, um, they are off. They have they have a big weekend as well. They're off to France. I can't remember where they're going. Rouen, I think, in France. Um, Angers, sorry, in France. And not just for a holiday. They've got to play. Not just for a holiday. They they they're in the Continental Cup final. Um, the final group. I don't know who's in the group. Well, obviously Angers and Cardiff. I don't know who the other two teams in that group are, but. 
Uh, no, good luck to the Devils, obviously. Yeah. Um, hope they, let's hope they can bring it home. It'd be really good to see another British side do that after Nottingham did it in, I want to say, 2017. Yeah, I think so. That Nottingham did it under Coinings, and obviously Belfast was so close a couple of years ago in 2019. We were there, went down to a shootout in the final game, which unfortunately the Giants couldn't. Do you know I'm going to say this? Just this is going to mean absolutely nothing to all of our listeners, other than the fact I haven't spoken to you about this today. You know, it's four years ago today we went. I mean, it makes sense. It would be because (laughs) obviously the tournament is tournament is now, and it was 2019. But yeah, four years. Yeah. So yeah, good luck to um, huge good luck to the Devils and the um, final of that. And yeah, let's hope that they can do do the job and bring that trophy back with them. Yeah, absolutely. But that is it for episode 61. Um, that is us underway for 2023. Um, we've got we've got hopes to get this this kind of podcast rolling a little bit more regularly this year and get a few more people on. I know last year was we didn't have that, but I think there was an element of us getting ourselves used to a full 12 months of hockey and life and everything else that was going on. But hopefully this year things can settle down a little bit and we can we can kind of expand the show a little bit. But for now, Tom, thank you for joining. Uh, thank you to all our listeners and enjoy hockey this weekend and we'll see you soon.